0: Hello and welcome to the Life Enchanted Podcast. We're on a mission to optimize our lives through faith, health, wisdom, and much more. Thank you for joining us on our journey. Here now is our host, Nick Carlisle. What is good, my friends? Nick Carlisle here. Stoked to be back with you once again. This episode is again, is going to be a little bit different. I'm kind of all over the map with these, all good. Just sharing what I feel compelled to share, my friends. But today was my last day as a public high school teacher. My last day, and I've been full of emotion all week. Mostly sadness, because I'm really going to miss all these kids. I'm not going to miss the meetings. I'm not going to miss any of the administrative stuff, right? But the kids, the relationships I've I've built, I'm going to miss. But I've had it on my heart to share my story for a long time, my testimony. And I want to share my testimony with people. But I've been afraid to because of my job as a public education teacher. Like I've wanted to share my complete story on my podcast, but I'm a little bit scared that Some Karen is going to hear it and get me fired, right? I I just, I didn't even want to create or mess with any of that drama. But today being my last day and students asking me like, because they know I was, I've shared with them that I was in juvenile hall and they were like, why'd you go to juvie? And I haven't really shared that with them yet. So they've been asking for my story a lot. And because today was my last day of school, I decided I was going to share with them my testimony, my complete testimony. And I prefaced it with telling them that I'm not trying to convince them of anything. Like I'm not trying to convince them of what I believe spiritually or what they should do or anything like that. I just want to share with them my path and my journey with the hopes that it imparts some wisdom to them about how to go down their path. So that's what I did. I put my uh, recorder on the table next to me and recorded this, this entire uh, class so it's me giving my testimony. It's like 90% of it. There's definitely a lot of other stories that go into it, but you'll get the gist. So I give my testimony and then I do a Q&A at the end. And I want you to stay for the Q&A and make sure you listen to the Q&A and hear what these kids are asking about. Listen to my responses and let me know what you think. Hit me up on Instagram. Let me know kind of your thoughts around all this. And please share this if you find value in it. Share it with people who you think will benefit from listening to this. There's so much addiction and pain and suffering in the world right now, especially amongst the youth. I mean, even adults as well. You guys see how bad the prescription pill epidemic is and the substance abuse is. Right? Share this with someone, please. It could inspire some hope. With that said, without further ado, this is my testimony. Thank you, guys. Because, again, life is all about quality of life, right? Living a good life. It's not about your GPA. Um, But something that I've always wanted to do with my students that I haven't been able to do, and I've also wanted to do on my podcast as well, is to share my testimony. And it's been, what is a testimony? A testimony is just someone's story, right? Of how they've evolved and what they've gone through. Um, And I've been hesitant to share mine because of repercussions, right? So like, the district hearing it or parents hearing it. Some of you guys might have seen, last night I put something on social media and I had some some parents, some Karens uh, kind of freak out. Really? So, it, um, so that is a real threat and that's why I've been kind of hesitant with sharing uh, my entire story with you guys, even though I want to, because I think the, the more real and authentic a teacher can be, the more it impacts you guys, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. You guys want an authentic, real, honest person. You want a robot up here that's telling you how to do Y equals MX plus B, but also is unrelatable, right? Like they have no clue what life is like, right? So the way that I approach teaching and you guys, and the the way that I feel like I can have the biggest impact on you is to be real and share as much as I can with you so that you guys can learn from me and see like, oh, Carlisle's been there. He's done that. He's experienced that. He might have some wisdom here, right? So... I want to share with you my story thus far and I want to preface it with the fact that this is not easy for me to share with you guys. I'm like super nervous right now because there's a lot of deep and heavy and dark things so it might get emotional but it's also the reason I'm doing this is because it's beautiful. It's a beautiful story. Um, Yeah and I don't want to glamorize anything that I've done. I don't want to... uh, convince you guys of anything. This is all just my opinion and my story. Okay. So I'm not trying to convince you of anything. Um, so I grew up in Loomis in Penry. Okay. I went to Penryn Elementary School. I grew up in a super solid family. My mom was a children's pastor my entire life. My dad was a drummer for the church for as long as I can remember. Super involved in the community. My, my parents are some of the, the most faithful and awesome people in the world straight up. Like, I know we could all probably say that. We all have our biases, right? But my parents are super, super solid. And I couldn't have asked for anything more growing up in the family that I did. And life was all beautiful and hunky-dory. And I was in the moment and present. And when I turned eight years old, my sister got super sick. Her name was Maggie. She was thirteen. Oh man, it's super hard for me. No, it nah, it's powerful, dude. I remember coming home from school, <clears throat> from Penryn School, from Penryn Elementary School, one day and seeing her, um, over the toilet, throwing up, and her face was green. <laughs> Her face was green and they didn't know what was wrong with her and two weeks later she was dead. <clears throat> I was eight. Damn, this is way harder than I thought it was gonna be. Um and that rocked me, obviously. I really looked up to my sister and people um they constantly told me that I was like very similar to her, that I was like a mini her, right? So that rocked my world, and it hurt me so deep. It, it kind of like broke the fantasy land that I was living in, right? As kids, everything is kind of dreamlike, right? Like we're in the moment, we're super present, and then usually something happens that kind of snaps us into reality that the world isn't safe, right? My dad's a doctor. One of the best doctors in the area, and he's been there for 35 years, and he was unable to save my sister. And he was my hero, and that's no judgment on him. I shouldn't expect him to. But the reality of life, the suffering of life set in, right? And I was eight eight at that time. So whatever, my family deals with it. I have an older brother and another older sister. There's four of us. Um, and we progress forward, you just have like time heals all wounds and we worked through it and we were faithful and God is good, right? And then, so life goes on uh, after eighth grade year, before my freshman year at Del Oro, I didn't understand what that pain did to me inside, but, and it's no excuse for my subsequent actions, but eighth grade, I'm about to go to Del Oro. I'm hanging out in Penrin, doing Penrin stuff. Just running around the streets, riding dirt bikes, shooting shotguns, being an idiot, having fun. And um, on the train tracks in Penryn, eighth grade summer, I decided to hit a bubbler. Kid had a bubbler. For those of you who don't know, it's a smoking marijuana apparatus. And I hit the bubbler for the first time. I remember walking down the hills of Penryn and feeling all of a sudden, when the cannabis set into my system, I was like separate from my body for a second. And some some of you guys, unfortunately, might know what I'm saying here. And I was like, Whoa, that's weird. And I, and I subconsciously understood that like, Whoa, I can control my feelings with this substance. That's pretty rad. Like that actually made me feel really good. And what I didn't know kind of subconsciously what was occurring is that it was masking the pain, right? It was a way for me to get away from pain. And I always grew up as a kid that I always said I would never smoke weed. I would never do drugs. I'm going to, you know, that was me. Like Dare class, I was like president of Dare. That used to be drug abuse resistance education. Like I was all for no drugs, no nothing. And from that day that I hit that bubbler in (laughs) Penryn till I was 26, so 14 years, I consumed cannabis. the The days in that 15 year period that I did not (laughs) consume cannabis was probably about 30 days total. And that's, and the only reason, so out of 14 years, there was only 30 days, which I didn't consume cannabis in some way and, and that had a big effect on me. So as I started to navigate high school, I have this side of me, this, this uh, kid who's, who's coping with his pain with a substance, but I also was a stud athlete. And I was the quarterback of the football team and the point guard of the basketball team and a leader on campus. So I had to put a mask on on campus and be one way in front of the teachers and the staff. And then I was a complete other way with my other friends who who I was hanging out with doing dirt, right? And I was like kind of going between both places, wearing a mask over here, wearing a mask over there. I wasn't myself. I didn't know this at the time. It was kind of just, again, subconsciously occurring. Right? And I started to make stupid mistakes my freshman year in high school, the last day, dang. So let's see, I was 15, I'm 33 now. So 18 years ago today, 18 years ago today, which is crazy, last day of school, assistant principal comes into uh, my woodshop class, I'm a freshman, and says, Nick, grab your stuff, come with me. Takes me to the office. Um, I sold an ounce of weed to a kid the week before he got caught with it and snitched on me. Um, so I got caught, I was still a minor. So I got caught selling, right? What's up, Riley? I got caught selling and I went to juvenile hall for seven, six days, six days. And that was super rough, really rough. And you think that would have broken me out of my cycle? Nah, nah, the addiction was way too strong, way too strong. So I kept kept smoking. I was on probation, prohibited from, from consuming cannabis, right? And I was smoking while on probation, knowing that if my PO came and tested me, I would go right to jail. Right to jail. But the addiction was so strong that I had to do it. This is a crazy story. I had a bonfire in my house. I'll make this this part quick. I had a bonfire in my house, had my friends over, smoking weed all night. I'm on probation. 6 a.m. in the morning, I hear a knock on my bedroom door. Love you, bro. Knock on my bedroom door. Opens it. I wake up. It's my probation officer. Nick, I just need a quick pee sample and I'll be out. I was still high. He goes into the kitchen. I'm freaking out. I'm looking at my friends who are laying on the floor. I'm like, "What am I going to do? What am I going to do?" I go into my bathroom and I turn on the ho- or turn on the faucet full, and just start slurping water down my throat, slurping just as much water as possible. I walk out into the kitchen. I don't. I didn't like cognitively plan this. I walk out towards the kitchen, and I just start puking it all up, pretending. And I I force myself to puke. And the P.O. by the grace of God, I don't know why he didn't catch onto this. Goes. Dang, you look like you're really sick. I'll come back another time and get it. And came back another time and I drank one of those. I I smoked that day after that. After my PO left, I smoked. That's how bad the addiction was. And then I went to like a 420 shop and got like a cleanser thing that cleans your pee and then passed the test. So the addiction was super deep. And I led that life all throughout high school. Quarterback, starting quarterback, starting safety, Point guard leader at, on campus, but also stoner, loser, idiot, non-productive, ruining my potential, completely addicting, controlling my feelings, unself-aware on this other side, right? And I was living this double life. started dating my wife, my now wife, my girlfriend when I was a senior, and I went to San Diego State where uh, the habit just kept getting worse. Right. And then I started at San Diego State. I discovered my love for music. So I started rapping. I actually started rapping at Del Oro. I was the first Del Oro student, hands down, to make a diss track. I I, I broke up with this girl my sophomore year. And this kid started dating her or seeing her, talking to her. So I made a diss track about him over Tupac's Hail Mary beat. And I slayed that kid and I kept rapping. And I started. A, I met up with a dude from Oakland in uh, in college at SDSU in the dorms, who was dope and still is dope. Crazy lyricist, one of the most genuinely talented and creative human beings I've ever come in contact with, and is signed to Empire Records today, and is doing big things, and is still is a super solid dude. And I was just so attracted to him, and was like, we just got along super well, and. Him and I started rapping together, making music together, and then we started a record label and we got investors and we were living the rapper life. Let's just put it that way, right? Like you can only imagine what a 19 year old white rapper in San Diego is getting is doing, right? I was an idiot, being an idiot. Um, but it was fun and I loved music and I wanted to take it to the next level. I wanted to be a either musician or a man. I wanted to be in the music industry. And... We got this investors in these investors money. We spent pretty much all of it on a giant video shoot, which now looking back was not a giant video shoot, but we thought it was at the time with a Bay Area videographer named Eris Jerome, who's super dope. We spent a we spent a lot of the money on a music video for the artist that I was that was my boy from the dorms, and he uh, and it, and it flopped. Basically, the video flopped. We didn't get a really return. We thought we were going to get a ton of exposure and stuff, and it flopped. Lost all our investors' money, had to um, had to dissolve the company, had to dissolve the record label. By this time, I am getting towards the end years of college, right? And I'm like, okay, I'm 22 years old. I have a strong addiction to uh, marijuana still. I've been dabbling in pills still. You know, it's like, let's uh, do some coke here, do some Molly there, do some... Oxy there. Do some Xanax here. Do some Klonopin there. Like whatever is available. I'm down. You know, let's party. Let's live the, the rapper life, whatever. Um, and I'm about to hit the real world and it's scary and it's super scary and I don't know what to do. So an opportunity comes up for me to go be an intern at Warner Brothers in LA, Warner Brothers Music in the hip hop division, which is a huge deal. I was going to be the direct intern for the head of the hip hop division of Warner Brothers music, which is like Rick Ross and MMG and like all the, like it's a big deal in Burbank. My first day, so I moved to LA for this summer after college, I went there, I was living in South Central in a a rough area on my buddy's couch basically and I was going to intern at Warner Brothers and try and take it to the next level, but I was so hollow and miserable I'm engaged to my wife at this point, even though I know that my life is completely out of control and I have no clue what what I'm doing. Um, And I go there and I show up to my first day at Warner Brothers and I go through all the motions of the day, I meet like the executives, the head of Warner Brothers, all these different people. And uh, I leave that day freaking miserable. Miserable, like what am I doing? I do not wanna, it was a mile and a half drive from my house to the Burbank, uh, studio and it took me an hour to get there, mile and a half. The traffic was just ridiculous and I just, I remember sitting in traffic hating my life. So I started, because I was so lost and hurting in a way that I'd never really hurt and I moved all the sudden I'm in a new city living with n- new people in the, in the hood, I got these addictions, I was trying to quit smoking, trying to quit all the lifestyle so I could go all in on the internship, all that. And I was just miserable. And I was driving home after my first day and I cried out to God. I was just, Lord, I I had this foundation of my faith. I like believed in God, but I never like had a personal relationship. But I was driving home and I was like, God, I'm miserable. I'm miserable. Just save me. Boom. I get in a car crash right when I do that. Right when I do that, I hit a taxi cab head on. I like lost. I like got in dreamlike land prayer for a minute. Like, Lord, help me. I'm miserable. Boom! Hit a taxi cab head on. Uh, Didn't total my car, but was forced to move back home to Sacramento because I didn't have a means of transportation anymore. So it's like, all right, I'm going. I told my friend who I was sleeping on his couch, I'm going back to, uh, to Loomis. Like, sorry, it was an excuse for me to get out of Warner Brothers because I didn't want to be there. I knew in my heart that I was there for the wrong reasons. I was there because I wanted people to think that I was working my way up in Warner Brothers and that I could be that guy in LA on the music scene, big business, big money, right? But that wasn't where my heart was. So I used that car crash as an excuse to get the hell out of LA. So I I came back up to Northern California and my wife, my fiance at the time, she's super solid and she didn't want a husband or a boyfriend or fiance who's smoking weed all the time and I knew that. So I started, instead of smoking weed, I started uh, relying on pills to control my feelings, right? I, I went over to the opiates, I went over to the benzodiazepines, the Xanaxes, the Norcos, the Percocets, anything, right? Because that's easy to conceal. Like, I can't smoke a blunt and then go hang out with my wife. She'd smell it all over me on my face. Like, it would be horrible, right? But I could take a Norco while she's not looking and feel super good. So think about drugs, you guys. People tell you that drugs are bad. That's a lie. Drugs are really good. They make you feel awesome. Long term, they make you feel really bad. But don't think that they don't make you feel really good. That's why people do them. If drugs were bad, no one would do them right? So just understand that. They make you feel really good, but then they make you feel really, really shitty after that. And then what do you have to do? Take it again Take it again to feel really good again, right? And the cycle continues and it destroys your entire life. So I started popping pills and concealing it. And I started working in real estate. I was basically being handed a property management company and I started working for that company. And, um, it was a beautiful opportunity. I was going to make a lot of money. I'm going to kill it in real estate, in my hometown, blah, blah, blah. It was that same narrative of pride. I want this, I want to be seen as this, but I was miserable in my job. I was miserable in real estate. So what did I do to comfort myself while working that job? What do you guys think? Pills, Pills. right? It's like, sweet. Just going to pop those pills and I'll feel great at my job. I'm doing this inspection with this guy freaking high on pills and I feel awesome. Right? But that I was wearing a mask. No one knew I had this problem. Not my wife, not my in-laws, not my parents, not my brother, not my friends. I had this mask on. I was a complete slave to substances, right? And it was destroying my life, destroying my life. And there's a lot of stories that go into that time period, but I'll cut to the chase. Um, When I was 26, so four years after I graduated college, this has been going on, this addiction. And I would go one week off. Like, okay, I'm going to go sober for a week, and I would do that, and I would go you know, a week and a half off sometimes, and I would convince myself, like, I got this. These pills, these, you know, they, they don't have any control over me, and, and then I'd go back on the train, and I would like, binge, you know, and for two months, I would go be popping pills every day, um, and it was destroying my life. It was destroying my well-being. It was destroying my physical health. It was destroying my marriage. It was destroying my mood. It was destroying everything but I couldn't get away from it and I was stuck. And when I was 26, my wife's parents have a house in Mexico and we went down there for a little vacation. I was coaching football at the time at Del Oro. So when I was working real estate, I started volunteering for the football team and uh, I love that and I was getting a lot of purpose and fulfillment from that. But So I go down to Mexico, it's in November of 2014, go down to Mexico, and I tell myself, I'm gonna change on this Mexico trip. Going down to this beach house, I'm gonna chill, I'm gonna bring only the last of my pills, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna change, I'm gonna be a different person, I'm gonna make this happen, I need to be a different person. I can't live like this anymore, I'm, my life is, it, it's in shambles, and it's destroying my internal just landscape, I'm just being destroyed. And so I went down there and I took the last of my pills down there and I remember um, that Friday night, so we went down there like Thursday through Sunday. That Friday night, I w- I took my last pill. That Saturday morning, I, w- I brought just like a few Norcos and a few Xanax down there. That, s- that Saturday morning, I woke up and I remember like a freaking crack feed opening up that Ziploc bag that I had my pills in, that had the powder of the pills and licking the powder out of the Ziploc bags to try and get some type of chemical fix, right? Like I just need a little relief, like a legit crack fiend. That's how deep I was. Saturday uh, was a full day of activities. We go out to play golf, which was awesome because it's a beautiful Golf course right on the beach. I'm playing with my father-in-law. just me and my father-in-law. It's freaking hot. I'm miserable I'm withdrawing from pills. My body is chemically imbalanced and I'm dehydrated. I didn't sleep well I'm struggling. I'm moody. I'm hating life and I suck at golf I suck at golf and I on the third hole I hit a drive shockingly into the desert into the weeds And I'm out there looking for my ball, searching for it, and I'm in a lot of distress. I feel like shit, my body is aching, it's super hot, I'm sweaty, I'm miserable. And I start, in the same way that I started crying out to God when I hit that taxi cab in LA, I start crying out to God like, Lord, help me, help me, help me in this situation. I'm miserable, help heal me. Boom! Boom! This bush in front of me erupts into a hundred butterflies, at least. Butterflies. (laughs) What snaps me out of like this prayer-like trance, brings me complete deja vu to that taxi cab moment. And I'm like, whoa, okay. That was bizarre and was like, it just seemed like creation was responding to me, to my cries. But I'm a withdrawing drug addict, so I completely forget about it. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Where's my ball? Shake, hit another shank, go chase it down, whatever. The day starts progressing. We play more golf. The 17th hole, the same exact, and this is, this is I'm telling you objectively what happened. I'm not trying to like, you know, uh, exaggerate anything. 17th hole, same exact things happened. Shake my ball out in the uh, desert looking for it. Miserable, more sweaty, more dehydrated, more moody, more hating life, more discouraged. Crying out to the Father. God, help me. Relieve me. Save me. I know you're up there. Like, just save me. Boom! This bush in front of me erupts in a family of jackrabbits in different directions. I'm dead serious. This, this happened. Whole family. I've never seen a single jackrabbit out there. Okay? A whole family, just every different direction. Snaps me out of it. The exact same feeling as the butterflies and as the tax cab. And I'm like, okay, that like, I've learned now that there are no coincidences in the kingdom of God. And that was like, it was just really shocking to me that like, okay, creation is like responding to my cries in a weird way. So I'm done with golf. I go back to the beach house. I'm kind of like still, well, I'm obviously still hurting, aching, hating life, discouraged, um, sweaty, dehydrated. I'm laying there watching 22 Jump Street 2, 23 Jump Street is it called? I don't know. That Channing Tatum movie? Yeah. The second one where he, where they're down in Mexico at like a spring break party. And I'm laying there with my wife. She's three months pregnant with my first child. And I just feel like shit. just like, geez, I, I feel terrible. I'm like, I, I'm just, hurting. I feel so guilty and like ashamed of myself. The shame and the guilt was so real. I get up to go to the bathroom. This is that Saturday night. I get up to go to the bathroom. Next thing I know, I'm being uh, shaken awake on the balcony. When I got up to the bathroom, I fell on the floor and started having a violent seizure from the withdrawals in front of my my pregnant wife. Um, I've had friends, at least five friends, which is a lot, from Deloro, uh, die from prescription pills. And my wife knows this, obviously. She knew it at the time. Um, and she thought I was dying. And I was unconscious. I didn't know what was going on. Um, and I started violently seizing in front of her on the ground and she didn't know what was going on. So I come to all of a sudden what I realize is that all of a sudden people are saying, Nick, Nick, Nick. And like, I'm like blinking myself awake, like a movie. I've never had this before. It was bizarre. And mind you, I had quit pills numerous times. I told you I would take a week off here, two weeks off there. It's not like taking a day off was like rare for me. I would do it all the time to kind of prove to myself that I could keep using. And, uh, and I'm being shaken awake. I'm looking around me, and my wife's over here, my in-laws are over here, the neighbors from the other houses are around me. I'm like, Nick, 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 what, like, what's going on? What's going on? And I'm like, what What happened? They're like, dude, you were just, you, you had a seizure. And I'm like, what, what, you know? And they're like, how old are you? And I'm like, I'm 23. I'm 26 at the time, they're like, dude, what? Like, what's going on, you know? And I'm like, I'm not sure. I'm, and I start lying, which is my native language back then. And uh, I'm like, I don't know. I was super dehydrated today. And like we played a lot of golf. I was out in the sun. I didn't really eat. I just started making up excuses. And because I'm still like spinning, my world is still spinning. Like what happened? Uh, the, an ambulance comes, takes me to a Mexican hospital. Uh, it's a sketchy part of Mexico. They hook me up to some saline solution, pump me full of uh, uh, liquids to help me out. And the doctor's like, The doctor knows what's up. The doctor didn't really speak English, but he was like, uh, I I was like, yeah, I'm just dehydrated, sir. And he's like, dude, I'm not an idiot, you know, but my wife and stuff were there and I was not coming clean. I was not saying what was really going on, but um, he knew what was up. Sends me home. I get home about midnight that night from the hospital and um, everyone's kind of like, you know, disheveled and kind of like, what just happened? Like a bomb was dropped and uh, and I'm laying there. Everyone goes to sleep. And my wife's laying there next to me and it's about one o'clock a.m. and i'm just laying there and my whole world is like holy moly what just happened i know that everyone's getting my parents got called immediately they left loomis right when they heard that i had a seizure because my wife called them and started driving down to mexico so they're on their way my brother finds out my dad's a doctor my brother is a fireman my sister's a doctor they're gonna know something's up right so my my whole world is like crumbling. I can't hide it anymore. Oh shit, it's all coming down. I shake my wife awake about 3.30 a.m. because I've just, I was in such agony from the shame and the pain and the guilt and the mask wearing and just like it was, I was, I hated myself from about 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. I mean, prior to that as well. But that was like one of the roughest times of my life. Um, And I shook my wife awake and I just came clean about everything and told her everything. And to see my three month pregnant wife with my first child on the floor, sobbing in pain because of the hurt, because of my actions, was um, an image that will forever be etched into my mind. Super hard for me to see. Like how is that affecting my baby is one of the thoughts that I thought. Look at the pain that I'm causing my wife right now and how is that affecting the little baby that's vulnerable inside of her? Um, And that was super hard for me to see. And when I came clean to her and told her all those things, the weight of the world, praise God, was lifted off my shoulders. I was known. Finally, I was known for who I was. No more mask wearing, no more lying, no more stealing. No, no more hanging out with sketchy people. And uh, she, obviously, the next morning, like by, by the time she, well, we didn't go to sleep that night. Her parents woke up, came clean to them. They were obviously super disappointed. We pack up our stuff. We drive up to the border. And the whole time I'm thinking, the only thing I was praying for was God, change me on this Mexico trip. Change me on this Mexico trip. Push the button in my mind that erases addiction, and nobody will know. I don't want anybody to know. Just press the button in my mind, God, please. If you're real, just press the button in my mind to make me a new person and put this all behind me, and I'm just going to act like the new Nick and be completely fine for the rest of my life. Please change me on this Mexico trip, God. Change me. That wouldn't have been healing for me if he pressed the button in my mind. Right? He had to smack me. I had to be smacked down to rock bottom so that I could build back up. I didn't want anyone to know I was a pillhead. I'm the football coach. I'm a football coach of a state high school championship team. <laughs> Guess who finds out? The whole football staff. I'm super involved in my church. Guess who finds out that Sunday morning, that happened on a Saturday night, the pastor of our church that next Sunday morning got word that I had a seizure and announced it to the whole congregation. Nick Carlisle had a seizure last night. Let's pray for him. The whole congregation, everyone in Loomis, every, so obviously people start talking, and people find out that I'm a drug addict. I'm a drug addict. right? I'm a full-blown drug addict. My worst fear, my worst fear is coming true. Everyone finds out. The pastor, my parents, my wife, my friends, my coaches, my st- everyone finds out. And that was so liberating because again I was finally known. I was finally known. I was finally real. Could finally be authentic and accountable. Right? So we drive up to the border. My parents are waiting for us at the border and my dad says, "Nick, are you prepared to do anything everything?" Are, are you prepared to do whatever it takes is what he said the exact words are you prepared to do whatever it takes I said yeah So all right we we have a spot for you at betty ford the betty ford clinic in palm springs we're gonna drop you off on the way home betty ford is like the number one rehabilitation center in the entire world it's a sick place. I always joke with my wife, I would go back anytime, even though I'm not a drug addict, just because it was that epic. It was freaking counseling and meditation and therapy and biofeedback and acupuncture and yoga and group discussions and like burning sage and like good food. And it was super healing for me. When I say that to my wife, she like tries to punch me in the face. Usually it's kind of funny um, because it was so traumatic for her. But I said, okay, I'll do it. So they dropped me off at Betty Ford on the way home, and I stayed there uh, away from my wife for Thanksgiving, and I got back on Christmas Eve. And all I had was the bag that I took to Mexico. And my prayer of God, heal me on this Mexico trip, came true in a way that I would have never wanted or imagined, but that healed me completely, healed me. I've been sober now for eight years, Um, and, uh, it's by the grace of God. Honestly, I never had, like I said, a personal relationship with, with God growing up. But what I do know is that the times that I cried out to him in desperation and plead and pleaded for him to rescue me, I was rescued. And that's just my objective experience of life. God means different things to different people. Right? And I'm totally fine with that. I think there's truth in every religion and I'm totally willing to acknowledge that. But um, he rescued me and that changed my heart. It changed my heart and put me on a different path. And I didn't know what I was going to do. So now here I am, all my brain, i have been using drugs since I was 14. I went 14 to 26 with substances in my mind and put all of my brain chemistry around them. How do you think that affected my development? Now I'm 26, but I have the brain of a 14-year-old. That's an L, if if you don't know. It's a big L, right? I muffled all of the experiences with substances. I never grew emotionally. I was never forced to be, you know... Uh, facing hard feelings and and overcoming them so I had a lot of work to do right I had a lot of work to do and I started listening so I have this job in this real estate company I'm coaching at Del Oro but I'm miserable and hollow and all of a sudden people God starts to, as I as I dedicate my life to ch- listening and seeking God we'll just call him God you can call it the universe if that makes you feel more comfortable as I start dedicating my life to seeking that something bigger than me, things start happening. People start telling me like randomly, "Carla, you should be a teacher, dude." And I'm and at the same time, I'm like, "Dang, I get a lot of fulfillment from coaching football. I love hanging out with these idiots. So maybe I should hang out with them for my job, you know?" So um, and people start telling me, like, "Have you like random people? Have you ever thought about being a teacher?" I'm like, "That's weird, you say that." And then like three weeks later, some other person is like, "Dude, I feel like you'd be a good teacher." I'm like, "Whoa." I told you guys, there's no coincidences in the kingdom of God. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go get back to school and get my credential and be a teacher. So I get into teaching. I think I'm going to be a math teacher. I only want to be at Del Auro. I only want to be here. And what's the best way people tell me to get to Del Auro is be a math teacher. All right, sweet. I'm going to go pass all the math, math exams, get credentialed in math so that I can be a Del Auro high school teacher for the rest of my life. Well, work my ass off to get credentialed in math and a math position is not going to open. Like, no i don't want to teach at granite bay i don't want to teach at roosevelt i don't want to teach in Thomas. i don't want to teach at any school other than del oro what am i going to do lord help me lord help me the last day of school that year when i'm hoping to get a job at del oro uh an old teacher from here named dietrich comes up and says carlo you have your business degree right and i'm like yeah he's like why don't you teach in the business department i'm leaving you can teach frosh tech you can teach my class and i'm like oh, that'll be sweet so i explore that a little bit I end up getting the Frosh Tech job, which I'm terrified of because like you gotta teach I'll do questions after this. But uh, I get up, I get the Frosh Tech job, and it's like, okay, now I have to learn how to do Photoshop, now I learn have to learn how to do video production, now I have to learn how to do all these different things that I have no clue how to teach. I thought I was gonna be teaching math. So I'm forced to teach myself the Adobe Suite, Photoshop, Adobe Premiere, all these different things. And as I'm teaching, as I'm learning this, I'm like, dang, I could uh, create my own content. I can make my own podcast. I can make my own movies. I'm like learning these skills. So I start that right. And that turns into the podcast. That turns into me creating content that turns in. And God is leading me throughout this entire way down a path that I have no clue exists. I think I'm going to be a math teacher for the rest of my life. And God's like, no, just like I wanted God to like press the button in my head and like, yeah, erase the addiction and make me a new person all of a sudden. No, I'm going to do something that's way better for you. Okay. You think you're going to go math for the rest of your life? Nah, son. You're going to go into business. You're going to be forced to learn the skill. You're going to suffer. You're going to struggle. You're going to learn all these different things. You're going to come across coaching. You're going to, your podcast is actually going to grow. I'm going to use you to impact people's lives through this way. Right? And I've kept following that voice. I've kept following the Father, God, leading me in life through people usually, talking to me right? Through opportunities. There's no coincidences in the kingdom of God. So I'd go after those coincidences. Okay. I hear you. Okay. That's led me to go from, I'm going to be a math teacher to the rest of my life to this is the last day. Five years later, this is my fifth year teaching. This is the last day I'm a Delaro high school teacher. I didn't see that coming, but I'm going into something that brings me much more fulfillment and joy. Podcasting. I, I mean, not j- I don't want to, to, you guys to take that on a side at you at all. The what I'm gonna miss most about this is you guys. Like it breaks my heart, right? What I'm not gonna miss and why I'm leaving is the bureaucracy, the politics, administration, the parents, all that. I'm gonna miss you guys. I don't I'm not gonna miss staff meetings, I'm not gonna miss obligatory lunches and you know all these different things, right? But God has led me since I started following that voice, since I started following the universe, for those of you that want to use that language, I've been led down a path of pure fulfillment and purpose, right? Of using my story and my truth to help impact people, okay? And it's not anything that I've done. It's something greater than me leading me, right? To help influence and add value to other people, okay to help people who struggle with things that i used to struggle with which i would argue all of you are here to do all of you are here to do okay it's to overcome your personal pain overcome your personal struggle over, per, overcome your personal addiction your personal fears all of that right and then use it to impact other people okay that is your purpose And that is the goal of your life. If you guys want to be fulfilled, that is what you must do. Okay. I'm just giving you the formula. Okay. And that's also why my friends, I am so hyper psychotic about food, about wellness, about mindfulness, about emotional health, self-awareness, quality of life. Okay. Because I've, I've accomplished a lot. I was a starting quarterback and was miserable. I got the girls and I was miserable. I have baller cars and a baller house right now and I can still be miserable. I'm a millionaire right now and I'm miserable. I own three homes in Loomis and I'm, and I'm still miserable at times. Okay, nothing fulfills you with the materialism. None of that. Okay, none of that. There's something deeper to life. It's quality of life. It's quality of life. It's not about your GPA. It's not about what you have. It's not about what you look like. It's not about the shoes on your feet, okay? It's about quality of life. It's about pouring into other people, right? And finding your purpose through that, okay? Of being the best version of yourself so that you can impact others. But I replaced trying to control my feelings and that negative emotion with substances, with actual good practices. Like it feels really good to drink a lot of water. It feels really good to take a cold shower. It feels really good to go on a run. It feels really good to take good supplements like a high quality fish oil. makes your, your, It really enhances your brain health. It feels really good to go for a walk in the sun, right? We talk about this stuff. It, it helps me a lot to meditate because it helps me not reach for pills again, right? Like you guys, the things that I've been teaching you and trying to impart in you, um, The reason that I I focus on that and these things is because I've been through what you've been through, right? I've seen what you see and and I know the world that you guys are living in and I'm trying to help you guys get a head start, right, on overcoming the world. Because the world is a dark place, it's an evil place. And I'm trying to give you guys a head start. So thank you for letting me share that with you. That was hard but also I think beautiful for me to do. I've been wanting, as I said, to share that story with you guys for a long time. I will now open it up for questions. Okay, please keep that. I, and I'll, I'm an open book. Keep them appropriate, but you can ask me anything. I'm willing to I'm willing to ask anything. Please be quiet while people talk. I don't want side chat. This is a serious conversation, right? So if you have questions you can th- about anything, about any chapter of my life about anything. I am an open book. Today is my last day. I have an hour left with you guys and I'm uh, willing to impart anything that uh, I think will be of value. Yeah. Can I say some stuff? Um, I'm, uh, perhaps. Questions? I answer my own. Yeah. Is your sister the one who's jerseys? Yeah, yeah, so if you've been to Pendern Elementary School uh, in the cafeteria, there's a jersey on the wall. It's a red basketball jersey, double zero in a picture. That's my sister's. Yeah. How badly did it affect you and your wife? Great question. Um, it, oh, how, how badly, question was, how badly did it affect me, me and my wife? I, I have an awesome wife and um, she knows my potential, and she knows my heart. She knew my heart, and it was really rough, and it almost cost me my marriage, but I was willing to do the hard things, and I think that that showed her a lot, and I think that um, uh, undoubtedly, it still affects my marriage today, the trust, in in ways that are, again, subconscious, I think. There's still kind of like a a trust divide there, rightfully so. but it's made us also stronger. And I think it's like her seeing my story evolve the way that it has, I think has uh, helped increase her faith, personally. Yeah. Do your kids My kids, no, not, no. They're too young. I'll definitely tell them when they're old enough, but my oldest just turned seven. Yeah. So it's still a little early. Yeah. Your oldest, oh, never mind. I- but- yeah. Yeah. Good question. So the question is, do, do my wife's parents, my in-laws trust me now? Um, Leland, will we shut that door for me, please. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yes, they totally do. And they always have. And again, they know my heart as well. And they, I think they trust their daughter's judgment because she's always had great judgment, um, and I think that, yeah, yeah, they, I have a great relationship with them. Yeah. What was your parents' like, first reaction when they found out that you were like, selling and doing drugs? Dang, good question. I lied a lot about it. Like, I downplayed it, always. I always lied, and so what I, like, the story, even though I did sell that kid when I got caught as a freshman, I did sell that kid weed. My story was that, like, I just, uh, had him connect. I just, I was the middleman. I connected him with another guy who I knew who could uh, hook it up. So I always like lied in a way to make me feel not, not, or to make me seem not guilty, but they struggled with it. Um, but the relationship that I have with my parents and with my family, again, I have an awesome family. It's just, there's, after my sister passed away, there's like a There's almost like an emotional wall there that we're afraid to get like super vulnerable and black and white and speak our mind because of some pain that might still exist, which is kind of interesting and there should probably be some work done in that regard, but yeah. How hard was it getting clean? How hard was it getting clean? It was really hard. Um, The pills were really hard to get off of, but hitting rock bottom and being known and being coming clean. <clears throat> it was a lot harder when I wouldn't tell people. It was a lot harder when I tried to do it myself. It was much easier when I spoke about it, when I talked to people about it. And when I came clean about it, it was like, oh, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's such more of a weight off your shoulders. And there's accountability there. All right, so if any of you guys are struggling with any type of addiction, my first advice would be start telling people about it. It's hard to do, but that will make you, that's gonna force you to, to address some things. Start telling as many people as you can about it. Have, you're gonna have to have courage to do that. Um, I'm here, if you wanna talk to me about it, I'm not gonna tell anybody. You can trust me. I'll, and I want you guys all to know, you guys know how to find me. You, like, you can hit me up on Instagram, find me. Uh, I'll give you my phone number if you want, but I'm an open book forever for you guys. Like we have a bond, a relationship. You guys can hit me up with whatever, right? I, I'm, not, I'm not gonna say anything to anyone unless that you're gonna harm yourself or someone else, but I'm here for you guys as you <laughs> hopefully know. Other questions? Mm-hmm. So are they like laying you off or are they just like not having classes for you to teach? I'm quitting. You're quitting? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's not It's not. – I'm not getting laid off or they're not. – I'm just quitting. Yeah, I'm just peacing out. I'm going all in on like I've been led to this and they've like – I just feel like administration hasn't been awesome. They've kind of shipped like I could have been teaching in my old classroom, but they really had no reason not to have me teaching in there. And they're like, nope, you're in the library. And one specific person in admin has just not been like kind to me. And this year I went part-time, I went down to part-time, and since I made that decision to go part-time, I feel like they've just kind of, uh, they've like lost respect for me or they just kind of treat me like I, they can, you know, not like a real teacher. That's why I always make that joke. I'm not a real teacher because like I've asked for a phone like a hundred times and I don't even have a phone. <laughs> I don't have, you know, like it's just, it's just stupid. Like when I tried to get out of this class, I was like, let me teach in that old class, you know, like it, it, it was just dumb. and admin wasn't super accommodating. And then things have just progressed in a way that's like, all right, there's no coincidences in the kingdom of God. It is time for me to get up out of here. It's time for me to get up out of education. Education's a tough place to be right now. It's a tough place to be. I know you guys are in a hard mental space. The pandemic has affected you more than you know, my friends. I'm telling you that right now. I see it objectively as a teacher, your guys' demeanor, your maturity, uh, emotional intelligence, all that. Is different as a whole that's no judgment on you as an individual but as a whole things are different things are different and things are shifting and um, I think last night the fact that that Karen reached out to me on D uh, on social media like that um, what, what, what? I'll put it on blast. I'll put her on blast real quick. I put her on my story. Is it like, was it your new post that you posted? Yeah, she replied. She she replied. Hold on. Oh, there's that podcast. Remember I told you guys I was going to do that with Devin Levesque? There he is. Um. Wait, hold it, hold it, because we can't read it. It's
1: about
0: to switch. Oh, I did know that. (laughs) I, I it, it says, says <laughs> Del is I'll read it I'll read it she said she says where do you teach at I say a high school in Northern California she says Deloro I'll be calling them tomorrow I say what is that supposed to mean and she says you shouldn't be teaching kids with your gun rhetoric your students are reposting your posts It's an abuse of your profession and inappropriate I will be calling Deloro and I am a parent named Karen. And I said, said yeah, names, no, I didn't oh, say name, Karen, I added that, made it sound better. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I said, and so I looked her up, who she was, and I'm like, oh, it's her mom? I love her. She was awesome. So I said, yeah, I had your daughter. Solid kid. Perhaps ask her about my reputation. Imagine me telling you what is okay for you to post on your own social media account. Tomorrow's my last day in education regardless. Why? Because of this exact conversation. Peace out. Peace oh, out, Karen. Yeah. Um, Wait, so who a kid? I, I'm not going to share that, but that, that happening last night, again, shh, going back to the theme of this discussion, there are no coincidences in the kingdom of God that that happened. I feel like last night for a reason before my last day, because I've been going through a lot of emotion of this being my last week. Like I worked really hard to get here. And now that I'm in my last week and this is my last day as a Delaware high school teacher, I've been going through a lot of emotion, a lot of like sadness, grief. Like, loss, joy, excitement, nervousness, courage, fear, anticipation, like, all of it. It's been coming up, right? And I've been kind of filtering through that, but I feel like that conversation last night kind of helped me. Other questions? Please keep it down still. I'm, I'm an open book. <coughs> Other questions? One sec, Tori. Yeah. Do you like a, like a life verse or one that's, like, common in your life? Oh, I do. It's right here. Uh, it's 2nd Timothy 1 7 it says for God has not given us a spirit of fear God has not given us a spirit of fear but of courage love and a sound mind right God has not given us a spirit of fear but of courage love and a sound mind like fear operates in all of us usually at all times you guys need to start being aware of that fear. That's why that mindfulness Mondays, all of that comes down to when you guys are in fear, you can't perform. That poor girl on that news that one day, she was in fear. When you're at the free throw line and it's game winning shot and you're shaking, okay, that's fear. You can't make the shot from there, right? When you're encouraged, love, and a sound mind, you can perform, right? You can influence the world. You can impact the world. You can be creative. So yes, thank you, Grace. That is a... Uh that is the verse that I try and live by. There's lots of them. Another one that helps me is, "He guides me along the right path for His namesake," right? Mm-hmm. Psalm 23. Like, all right, He guides me. It, I'm going down the right path, but it's not for me. It's for the Creator God. Um, other questions? Yeah, Tori. You just missed a deep combo, Tori. Did I? I just, I just, I just spilled all the it. beans. <laughs> I wish you were here. My whole story. It's a secret. You can't know (laughs) (laughs) your Tori, what's your question? What's your question? Okay, wait, hold on. Wait, I forgot my question. Okay, other questions. (laughs) Come back to it. Anything. Any more high school advice? Oh, any more high school advice? Man, I've tried to really, I mean, (laughs) eradicate pornography from your life. It's the first thing I'm going to say to everyone in this classroom. Eradicate pornography from your life. Mm -hmm. Girls, if you have a boyfriend who looks at porn, which I would probably guarantee he does, dump his ass. Dump his ass. Straight up. Pornography will ruin your life. Male and female. So there's my first piece of advice. Um, and And I know it's not easy. There's a reason it's so like, like I heard a statistic that four out of 10 pastors is addicted to pornography. Four out of 10 pastors is addicted to pornography. It will ruin your marriage. It will ruin your relationships. It will ruin your girlfriend, your relationship with your girlfriend, ruin everything. So be careful with that. Uh, Other advice? uh, try and save yourself for marriage. Try and save yourself for marriage. I didn't. And it sucks. I wish I did. I wish I did. And if you have it, that's all good. If you're someone who hasn't saved themselves, that's all good, but you can't, you can make a decision now. Again, it goes back to the long term game, right? Like if you want, think of, think about yourself with your wife in 20 years or with your husband. If you've slept with 10, 20, 15, 3, I don't care. If you've slept with a lot of people, how do you think that's going to impact your marriage? I would just challenge you to sit with that question. How is your sexual past going to impact your relationship with the person who you're going to spend the rest of your life with? Because I'll tell you right now, sex is not a biological release. It's not just like some animalistic instinct that all of us are entitled to at all times. And we can do it whatever we want, however we want, with whoever we want, because it's our life, our body. Okay, sex is a very spiritual, deep, connective practice. (laughs) Act, I'll call it. It's a beautiful thing. It's super beautiful. But when it's abused, it's not beautiful. It causes a lot of pain, a lot of hardship. Like go find, go find a woman who slept with a lot of men and see how she's doing. Go find a man who slept with a lot of females and see how he's doing. I have a friend right now. I know somebody, I know somebody whose body count, which is language I've never heard until I heard him say that, is over 700. 700. What? Because he's an Instagram. Yes, he's 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 an influencer, and he's on Tinder, and he travels, and just goes around the country and does his thing. What? All bad. All bad. It's not. I know for a fact it's not. I know for a legitimate fact it's not. That's what. But he is. He. He is not someone. Who I would want to be, he is not internally peaceful or happy. Oh my God. That's so in my opinion, other questions. Uh, no, other high, high school advice. It's both of those had to do with sex. That's weird. Um, be I am not against cannabis. Shockingly, I think cannabis has a lot of positive benefit in the world, especially if it causes if if. If my daughter comes up to me and she's 25, daddy, I'm having bad anxiety and depression. My doctor wants to put me on SSRIs, but I've heard that maybe cannabis could help me. I would say go cannabis first. Uh, Nothing out of an orange bottle. I've done the orange bottle stuff, the orange bottle, right? (coughs) So I think that there is application for cannabis in the world for medicinal cannabis. What I don't think is cool is you guys forming your brain around substances. Okay. Wait, wait to do that. Don't wait to form your brain around substances, but wait until your brain, which is about 20, you know, mid twenties, like develop before you explore with that would be my, my suggestion, right? Don't let your brain develop around substances. That's should go without saying, but I, I didn't get that memo. Um, Other advice, this is a big one, straight up. And this will, I can pretty much guarantee you that what I'm about to say next will make you a successful human in some way, shape, or form. Start reading nonfiction books that genuinely pique your interest, that you're genuinely curious about. If it's about, freaking uh mimicking goats those goats that like copy each other go read all the nonfictions about that if it's about crypto go do that if it's about spirituality go do that if it's about horseback riding go do that if it's about I, i don't know whatever okay go follow your genuine interests and curiosities because here's what what happens my friends here's what happens you become an expert in the things that you are genuinely curious about You solve your own problems, you read, you learn, and all of a sudden, 10 years down the road, you are the only expert in that field in the world. Like Leland is an expert in the bodybuilding, in muscle ups, in soccer and in landscape, right? Because I'm just using this as an example. If all of you guys do this, if all of you guys follow your genuine curiosities and genuine interest and become obsessed, with becoming an expert in those things and learning about them, all of a sudden, you are going to be the only version of you that exists and you could leverage that for money. Okay, there's a quote that says escape competition through authenticity. Escape competition through authenticity. If you guys become the complete authentic version of yourself, you will be able to leverage that for money if you are an expert. Right. Become an expert in solving your own problems and then use that to solve other people's problems. How do you do that? You learn. Okay. So back to my advice, start reading. It helps you communicate, helps you talk, helps you articulate yourself. It gives your, it expands your vocabulary. It makes you a good listener. It activates your imagination. It helps you grow. It helps you learn. It helps you connect dots between things. Right start reading about things that you're genuinely interested in. If it doesn't interest you, if you're a a chapter in, close the book. Even if you just bought the book for $24.99 at Barnes and Nobles and you're a chapter in and it isn't uh, sparking your interest, close it and throw it in the trash. Move on to the next one. Way too many good books in the world for you to waste your time uh, reading. When you read, you should be captivated, locked in like, holy moly, this is so interesting. If you find books that do that to you and you stick with that, you're going to be successful. You're going to 100% be successful. Did you have a question? I thought I saw a hand. Um, other advice for high schoolers. That's such a loaded question. We've talked about a lot of them, right? Like proper nutrition, sleep, exercise, mindfulness. Start becoming socially or uh, emotionally aware of what's going on. What else? Questions? Yeah. Um, it's like a, an advice question. Yeah. But um, being like where you, where you were yeah. versus where you are now, what advice would you give to, like, people who, like, have friends who are in that position that you were in, in high school? Or not necessarily, like, specifically Dang, totally. what you're struggling with, but, like, yeah. how would you say, like, to much those Great people, question. especially those who, like, don't want to be called. Great question. There is, I'm going to take a little bit of a different approach to this. So the question is, how do you help your friends who are struggling? Because you guys see it all the time right? I, we know what goes on on this campus. I know. I, I smoked a, wa- a lot of weed on this campus and I'm a teacher here now. I know what goes on. I was doing it back then. Now you guys have vapes and if if I would have had a vape on campus here, it would have been bad, bad, bad. But you guys see what's going on, right? There's a lot of this in the on the campus. Here's what I would suggest to you, connecting you with my story. And this is going to sound a little trite, but hear me out. Let me expand on them, on it. Love them. Love them. How do you love them? You get to know their story and what's really going on. How do you get to know that? You ask really good questions that you're not scared of asking. Why do you think you smoke? What what negative emotion does smoking or consuming those pills or that alcohol, what negative emotion does that blanket. Why is that negative emotion there? They're like, oh, it's because of like, I, I just want to feel good. Why don't you feel good? Start helping them unravel because the addiction, it's, there's a, there's a quote from this dude named G- uh, Gaber Mate. I don't know how to say his name. Gabor Mate. Gabor Mate. He says that don't ask why the, don't ask why the addiction, ask why the pain. Don't ask why the addiction. Ask why the pain. And I think that that would be my advice for friends that are struggling is, is be real with them and come from a place of love and compassion and non-judgment. Don't let them think that you're making saying like you're a bad person because you do this. Right? But just like, I, just curiosity. Genuine curiosity. Love and curiosity for that person. Why the pain? Why the pain? What's going on there? Can you, can you just- Yes, gotcha. I need you to sign my name. All right, bring her here. Think of other questions. I'm loving the, the Q&A, Carlisle. I me mean, too, Carlisle. I'm ask Carlisle. Just because yeah. I have to get back to the class, I promise me a concert or whatever. That means I'd um, Are you going to be at graduation? Yeah, I well. I'm going to say you at graduation. Question. Thank you, Carlisle. You're welcome. All right, quiet. I want to keep it quiet still. Yeah, it's Shane. Did you say that you met <laughs> million-dollar status? Huh? Did you say that you met, like, million-dollar status? I huh? mean, no. Do you actually, do you actually have three houses? Yes, I, I, my, shh, uh, someone who is a millionaire has a net worth over a million dollars and my net worth is far above that. But I'd say that not out of a flex, I say that to say that yes, that's true and some of you are probably thinking if only I was a millionaire. I can tell you right now, I'm considered a millionaire and I'm still miserable, I'm still suffering, I still struggle. Exactly. Exactly. You can't so what that tells me is that it's not about any of that. It's not about the money. It's not about the cars. It's not about the you know the house, the body, the spouse. Right? It's about internally what's going on. There's little kids in Haiti who live in orphanages who are much happier than me. I should tell you something. Other questions. Shh other questions anything I'm open 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 yeah I do not but I could probably I do not Um, I honestly don't know if I could find it I don't know I could I could find a lot of my old songs but I could not find that distract out I don't know and I'd be absolutely ashamed to share it huh almost I was hey! bubbling up right here. Bubbling? Good. What else? Other questions? We good? Yes, Coral. Shh. Yeah, why I got arrested? That was the freshman year story. When? Yep. Yeah. And I spent those six days in jail. Yep. Yeah. What else? Juvenile, fu- Juvenile Hall is not fun by the way. I brought one book. I was like, oh, this yes, book is going this book is going to last me this whole time. Yes. It was a uh, it was a CS Lewis book. I read it in like the first 6 hours in solitary confinement in the first day. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz it was full. It was Lion, Witch, in the wardrobe. I was just saying said like tape letters or something. No, that was too heady and deep for me back then. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, it was just like super boring. <laughs> and there's a lot of, there's a lot of like Hills kids. There's a lot of like Forest Hill, Nevada City. Like there's some sketchy kids in there. <laughs> there's some super sketchy kids in there. Like kids smoking meth at 15. And I was like, yeah, gnarly. What else? Other questions? Speak now, shh, or forever hold your peace. Yeah. Can you sign yeah. I will. I will. What else? Um, all right. Thank you guys for letting me share that. I love you all. Um, I know some of you are planning on studying. Thank you. Thank you. Feel free to get out there. I'm here to help you. Appreciate you guys and love you guys. Special thanks to King's Kaleidoscope for the music heard throughout this episode. Also a big shout out to Capital Floats, AKA my favorite sensory deprivation and float tank facility in Northern California. I'm a frequent user there and the experience is always transformative to say the least. If you're interested in floating and live in Northern Cal, make sure you use promo code LIFEENCHANTED with no spaces at checkout on their website. You'll save a whopping 40% off your first float and you will not find that deal anywhere else. Also, in regards to some of the content shared in these episodes, make sure you always consult your doctor before making any sudden diet or lifestyle changes. If you're interested in connecting with me, you can find me on Instagram at nick.carlisle or send me an email, nick at mylifeenchanted.com.